now, welcome to the Ray Millennial Show, starring Ray the Millennial. Hold on. Okay. All right. Welcome to the show. Uh, today's guest is Miss Mallory Sear. Uh, I've known Mallory uh, from college and from UNLV, and what I really like about Mallory is even since then she has been very passionate about uh, what she believes in she says what she means and she means what she says and recently i saw her again and i think she'd be a perfect guest for this show and today uh, mallory wanted to talk about oh should i call you mallory miss sear what do you what do you prefer mal is good mal okay so Mal, uh, she was nice enough to agree to be on the show today, and uh, she wanted to talk about foster care. So uh, before we get started, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, thank you. Uh, certainly was a great coincidence to see you again, and happy to see you in your field. Um, I am a native to Vegas. I um, have enjoyed all things the desert for a long time. I worked abroad for one of the casino companies here for a few years, and uh, that kind of just changed my whole perspective and gave me uh, some legs under and wings underneath me and on me to do things that I wanted to. Uh, so traveling the world and being able to just come back with um, a new perspective and more empathy and a desire to kind of start other parts of my life. And so I was, uh, I have a single at the time and uh, being a mom has always been something very important to me. And like, if I could wave a magic wand and say, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I think that was the only thing I was certain of was becoming a mom. And uh, so I figured, you know, what, what's a way, what's a route that I could do that and private adoption uh, didn't seem to be the most appropriate at the time and the finances of it are really expensive. And I also was like, maybe this is, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be something permanent. So let me see what I can do to just be part of a need in the community and foster care is, is always a continuous need in Clark County and anywhere you live if you're listening from somewhere else. And so I decided to uh, start that journey and I have been part on that road for four years now. Uh, within four years, it's been about three and a half uh, with a child in my home. And uh, we just got news this week that I will be on the path toward adoption uh, with him. So congratulations. Excited about that. Thank you. Um, not, and as I'll share today, that it's not the way that every story ends. And you have to accept that and be okay with that because that's not the goal of foster care necessarily, the immediate goal. Um, but uh, I'm certainly grateful that it has brought permanency to our life in this way. So yeah, I love cats. <laughs> we love to go outdoors. Um, <laughs> and we got through the pandemic like everyone else, thankfully, with, you know, few gray hairs and few crazy stories. Uh, it was a good 
a time to be connected and to have him and that one-on-one -on -one time. So I, you know, not a teacher by trade, but was for the past year uh, and work still somewhat in the hospitality industry. So happy to be here and uh, thank you for giving me a space to share about foster care with your listeners. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like for those of you that may not know, this is my first interview, so <laughs> hopefully I don't bomb it. But um, yeah, I mean, ever ever since I uh, knew you back in college, like you were really passionate about helping the community, and uh, I fell off the grid. I because I, uh, I I immersed myself in uh, the healthcare industry, which. Uh, surprise surprise uh breaking news i'm i'm um i'm actually trying to get out of the healthcare industry okay yeah so i so i can put more focus on this amongst other things and also there's a lot of things that i don't necessarily agree with but that we can get into that later uh so so um so after college like kind of what you said you were traveling where did you go i just yeah so I finished in 2011 and then I worked for a company that was doing projects here and then an opportunity. So those years weren't too exciting, but in 2013, uh, they gave me the chance to move abroad to Macau. And so oh, wow. I uh, moved there for the company and then uh, lived there for three years which was quite an adventure. Lots of expats there, lots of folks from other places there. Mm. Um, but the majority of them were like from Britain or Scotland or Australia and mainly men, um, older, who were on a very different trajectory in their life, you know, being 25 and new first stamp in my passport, um, a little different, uh, but good. And when I was there, I got to travel to Japan and Korea and Thailand and Vietnam and Australia and wow. a lot of Asia, which um, probably would have not uh, soon been part of my journey. I, I really didn't have like a inkling to any of those places prior to the experience. And now it's like I could easily pack up and live in Australia or Japan or Korea. I love those places. Uh, so, yeah, it was very good. It was eye-opening for me. Um, certainly a new sense of independence, you know, living away from all the comfort, well, majority of the comforts, and then immersing myself in work, but then also being able to enjoy such amazing travel experiences at the same time was was good for me. I, I needed that um, adventure, you know, not having studied abroad in college and finding continuously finding my way back home to Vegas it was nice to just commit to something for that period of time and, and complete it successfully so um yeah I it's funny um my little really wants like he was very interested when I when he met me like all the foreign currency that I had still and so we talk about like traveling abroad. When you say you're yeah. little, uh, for the people that don't know, what, what is that like? Oh, sorry, my little, my son, my. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Um, he uh, was very interested in all the like different coins I had, and we talk about travel. And last year, spring break was supposed to be our first international trip, 
Um, and then clearly, you know, that didn't happen with COVID, no problem. Um, but looking forward to uh, global adventures here soon. So. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. So, uh, you know, for someone like me that doesn't know anything like about foster care, I mean, that's why I do these interviews so I can learn. Yeah. Um, so, uh, can you kind of explain like what the process is like and how foster care is different from adoption? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. So the purpose of foster care is uh, family reunification. It's the, the, that's the goal is that you are potentially serving as a temporary support for a family in need that's navigating a crisis. And so kids come into care for various reasons. It could be neglect, it could be abuse, it could be that uh, a parent passed away suddenly and there were no other resources to care for the child, familial or kin in the, in the community. It could be, um, there sometimes are capacity limitations um, for families and they're not able to um, manage the responsibility of being a parent. And so um, there's various ways that the, it happens. I think sometimes folks think that it's always a case of severe neglect and severe abuse or um, malnourishment or what have you. And yes, that does happen sometimes. Um, and it could be incarceration of a parent. Um, so how kids come into care, it could be a teacher or a parent or some or family member or a loved one or a neighbor or someone, a concerned citizen makes a call into CPS, Child Protective Services, and then that call gets researched. And I will tell you that I do feel like the county or the agency responsible to respond does everything that they can to, to assess the situation and say, are these kids capable of staying here if we provide some additional resources? Is there truly a threat or, or concern about their well-being? Um, can we support this family to stay as a unit? And if that's not the case, or if the if whatever is happening is too severe, or there is no parent to care for them, then children come into care. And so folks like myself got, get licensed. It's a 10-week course. I think now it might only be okay. We tried to make some adjustments, um, but it was a 10-week course when I completed it, and it, they, it's about 30 hours. Oh, and so you have to take classes. Yeah. That's interesting. And, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. Basically, they want to guide you through um, behaviors that might be really challenging. They want to guide you through resources that are available to you. They want to guide you through how to make a child feel welcomed in your home when you, you know, it's a new space, it's a, you know, it's a new environment, uh, all of those things. And so the classes are intense because they do, they also want to make sure you're ready for this, right? Like that you mm -hmm. can handle um, whatever may come your way. And while you're going through your classes, they also do a home study, they do your background checks, they do, um, you, you complete some assignments to prepare. And wow. for those 10 weeks, they want to say, you know, tell us who you feel like you'd be a good fit for. So when I got licensed, my fit was, I think that I am a boy mom. And oh, I so it's a, I, towards a demographic. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay. And the reason for that is, well, and I also think that this may have changed too recently because the county basically was feeling like they had um, so many kids in care that people were saying no to. So that, or like, you know what, just doesn't fit in our home, whatever else. And so at this moment in Clark County, I believe that if you're a licensed home, you can give an age range um, and that's pretty much it. They want to be able to place a child in your home because they don't want these kids to stay in um, congregate care, which is the, the political correct term for like an orphanage sort of situation, which okay. um, they would rather have kids in homes where it feels more normal, right? That normalcy is really important. And uh, so, so with, you said it, you mentioned the county a lot. So are, is this mm -hmm. process different in different cities and different states? It is. So Clark County here uh, in the area where we reside is in Nevada, and they are the the main contact for this. Now, this is where it gets messy, too. Um, you can choose to go the county route to get licensed, or there are also in in large cities. I wouldn't say this is common in other in smaller settings, but here in town, there are about three agencies that you can also get licensed through that are private uh, agencies that serve kids that have higher needs. So maybe that they're older children and they might have more um, mental health matters or they are uh, children with physical disabilities. Uh, typically those kids are connected to an agency that can wrap around people that have the ability to support that level of care and need um, some additional people around them, you know, to help. So I went through the county route. That's the majority of folks who are in foster care, who, who are licensed foster care parents, go through the county. And, and yes, like it's shown in TV shows and the media, there is a payment involved, right? To, to well, I, I, don't, I really don't watch TV, so I don't really yeah. know the... Okay. I, I literally coming from zero knowledge. So yeah, this Got is very it. interesting to me. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So um, when you get licensed as a foster care parent, to some extent, you're almost an employee of the county or the agency. And it's, it's because um, there is a daily rate of um, money that comes to the person who's caring for that child. Because child's in state's care right now. And so whomever is caring for that child receives that money. And so it, here in town, it's 22.45 a day. Um, oh. And so um, there are some concerns and, and it certainly always comes up about this idea that people are in it for the money. Um, well, you know, I, they, I, and I don't object to the fact well, that there are probably people who are. <laughs> well, um, I, I think it's very interesting that um, because again, this I'm literally coming from zero, but I think it's very interesting that you have to take a course and you have to get certified. So it's so obviously like it, it, it takes commitment on your part. You know, you have to show a certain amount of commitment, and I I don't think that's something that you can fake that you you'll do for twenty two dollars a day, right? Well, that's it, right? You're absolutely right that I think that that's a myth that needs to be debunked. But I also recognize that there are folks that navigate this in different ways. And so I 
I want to talk about it to young people like you because I want to remind individuals that you can, like, this is something we're capable of doing and being part of a solution for. Um, I said, when I got licensed, I said, I want, I feel like I can navigate this very well with a boy five to eight years old. And that was my limitation. And that was okay. So you don't have to be a foster parent to 12 kids, to six kids. You don't have to feel like a group home. You can say yes to one child and make a difference in one child's life. And you don't have to be a dual income household. You can be a single person that does it, like me. Um, you, you really are capable of saying yes more than I think some of us think we are. And, you know, I'm in a position, so I said that about, you know, I can take a child in this age range. I finished the classes, I finished the home study, and within three days I got a call that they had a child that needed a placement. And um, so I picked him up and I have, he has been in my life since that day. So and how long have you been a uh, foster parent for? Uh, December, 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. So yeah. every year you get re your license gets renewed. Every other year you have to do a more thorough like take courses and do more of a thorough home study. But you stay connected to staff through this whole process. They're checking on you. They're evaluating your ability to be a good caregiver. So you have continuing education. Continuing that, education. Yep, that's exactly. interesting. Wow, yeah. that's so interesting. Yep. Um, so at what point, uh, and let me know if I'm prying too much. No, but no, 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 you're good. At what point does uh, foster care turn into adoption? So that is something each state does vary on. So in the state of Nevada, the, the statute says that after 14 months of a child not being with their biological family or whomever they were previously with, um, the intent is that they are no longer um, best suited to be in that home. That basically it's that not enough time has passed where if we're not able to get through the hurdles, we feel like 14 months is the trigger point for potentially termination of rights. Doesn't mean it, it happens. It just means that at least it sets the trigger off to say, we need to be doing, we need to consider an adoptive resource at the same time of trying to reunify. So in that, I, let me backtrack a little bit to say, when a child gets put into care, that child is, is, is intended to be fully serviced and cared for and loved by the person who they are placed with. Then the parent gets a case plan. And that, that case plan could say, you need to go to counseling. That case plan could say, we need to get you a job. We need to get you housing. That case plan could say, we need you to go to rehab. That case plan could be a variety of things, but it's think that it's steps that they need to show that they've made progress and they are, they are building their capacity to regain the children in their home. And so, um, that is what the caseworker does. So the caseworker is working with the adult to check in and see how they're doing with those things and checking on me with the child to say, How's, how are they doing? Are they progressing okay in school? Are there behaviors that are showing? Do we need to add therapy? Do we need to, how can we support them? And so those two things are happening at the same time. So in essence, there's 
some services given to the adults, but live less, right? They're not placed in a foster home. They are, they are treated as an adult that says, this is your, this is your path and you need to find your way to it. It's like a halfway home or? No, they, uh, some, I think, you know, depending on the situation, if they, if they need rehab services, there are homes that they can get connected to, but typically, and, and also there are sometimes funding for, you know, rent and things of that sort, but typically they're on their own and it's just more of like, this is what we agree as steps that need to, to, that you need to complete. And I will help you if it's bus passes or if it's getting you connected to an agency that can assist you with this, I will. But to some extent, they're left on their own um, to get through those those steps, those right. that they need to cover. Um, and I, so in my head, if I I could change one thing, I wish that some of the adults that that could benefit from this service could almost be in a foster home themselves when this happens or some sort of place of love and support because what I have witnessed is that, and I very much come to agree with when I heard this phrase some point in my life, I just thought this is exactly true. You're either repeating a cycle or breaking a cycle. Um, those are the two things you're doing in life. Those, those are the only two things. Um, and so, I feel like if we're not trying to help them break the cycle um, holistically, then we're not doing a good service. But I get it. If I look back at my life four years ago, would I have said yes to bringing in a family into my home? No, you know, I don't think I would have. I, I don't think that that's where my mind is. So there's something that needs to be fixed around how do we better support the adults that find themselves in these situations. I just don't know what that fix is yet. And I do appreciate the fact that, you know, the nation says we got to take care, like we have to focus on the kids, right? Like right. Future, well, the kids are most at risk and the most offensive. Right. Most vulnerable, 100%, 100%. It's just that, you know, we can't assume that cycles won't be repeated if we right. don't truly fix it right and so there's it's broke and i also you have to come to accept if you're going to enter into the system that it's a it's a broken system it does not work and part of the reason why is because it's unnatural like it and unnatural things just aren't supposed to work right so um i guess my i had a couple questions um so you said like you you uh, wanted to expose this more to younger people. Uh, what what kind of what like I mean obviously like you have like a big heart and that's like why and you're very passionate about these things. But what kind of uh, 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 people decide to be parents? Yeah, I mean that's true too, right? Like I think if I look at my peer group, there are some of my friends that don't have any desire to have children. Right. And right. that's okay. Um, right. And sometimes I think that that comes from a place of, I don't want to bring 
another person into this world when it's so when it's so discombobulated or there's overpopulation like there's some right. real, like deep opinions on that and right. so i always am thinking well great that's fine i'm totally with you i support that but look these kids are already here and need potentially temporary support right so to me um so i also think about the fact that i would he's eight and i would have been 25 having him that's when i moved to asia right so i think about the fact that like at eight at and my age i'm tired (laughs) but i have the energy for him you know and so i think we we're we have the capacity to engage these kids in ways that are beautiful and profound and fun and and full of energy um and so to me if you aren't interested in parenting like being a full having your own child um that's okay and totally acceptable and you also can go into foster care and say i am not going to be an adoptive resource to any child but i want to help in the process so i was asked when the case changed to potentially adoption i was asked are you going to be an adoptive resource for this child I said, absolutely. There's no reason why I wouldn't be. I have grown a deep love for him, and you know, I want him to feel permanency. But it would have been totally okay for me to say, I am, a, I am a place to give love and support and encouragement. I am not a permanent place. And they would have, at that point, transitioned to a person or a family that was looking for an adoptive, to be an adoptive resource. And so if you feel fully committed to just saying, I want to help families get back on their feet and I want to help kids hopefully get reunified or I want to help kids toward their path of permanency, but I'm not going to be a permanent resource, the foster care system needs it. Right, they right. want to. Um, because at the end of the day, even when our goal at 14 months changed to, to potentially reunify and uh, adopt at the same time that there were two separate goals happening we were focused on how can we support the family getting the original family getting back together the nuclear family coming back together so only you know here we are three and a half years later so that's more than two years past that point where we're saying we're adopting so it's a long journey and it's not until this week did i know that i could pursue this even though a long time ago i was asked right no i i just think uh well again i'm coming from zero so i i think it's interesting how like fostering well a that it just gives you so much op so much more options if you're unsure and b like why isn't it talked about more as much as it is adoption like adoption you know as you see it in movies and they you know celebrities right you know like how come foster care because foster care seems like a sensible choice you know the more i listen to this the more i like more i realize like oh this is you know well a few things so um number one in this county there's typically about three thousand kids in care at any given time and we only have a few hundred homes and so i think that there is this thought that and so a lot of foster homes are multiple children kids in large families it's it's it might feel overwhelming it's this sense of like i cannot take on a village of eight 
I can take on one. And is that even... Oh, and you have to separate them. Right? Yeah. Okay. And it's not always that way. Sometimes families that are in foster care that have multiple children, it's not because they're siblings. And, you know, not always are siblings put together. It's It really is a case-by-case -case scenario. So I just, I want to, I... I do hope that more people can realize it's okay to, to say yes to one child. Like that needs to be normalized because I do think that those people who know about foster care or anything that's out there, it's this assumption that you just, it, it takes over and it becomes, you know, you become a group home of, sense, of sorts. And that's, that doesn't have to be the case. The second thing is, you know, I think that unfortunately there have been some bad situations or there are, um, you know, where foster homes have not always been any better than maybe where children came from, right? In the sense of that it's still not the loving, supportive place that they need to be. And so I feel like the counties are really trying to step it up and provide resources, do your check-ins, make sure that they're a right fit because they they do kids don't need to be in another place that they don't like that isn't right and so I think that that's why you know the courses need to be rigorous and you need to check in on a monthly basis with your caseworkers because you, we have to make sure that like there's a pulse check that you're still a good resource for this child and so and and you know I as much as I think that there's, you know, if you have heard anything, if, if I think as an adult, like long before I got into this, there were plenty of things that I heard of, like I went from foster home to foster home, I had bad foster homes, wow. these sorts of things. I personally, like, I understand that there's like a stigma to it. If you say your foster parent is like, okay, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Are you a good person? Are you, you know? And so I think that we have to get more people involved to say, you know, let's debunk this. Let's demystify this. Let's um, change the course of what this can look like. Cause you know, I also in two years into this found a support group through a church, not affiliated to the church in the sense that like it wasn't only for church attendees, but majority of them were from a religious background and it does seem to be talked about a lot in faith communities um that you know let's if we can help you become a foster parent or things of that sort which i appreciate that like that's somewhat local mission work for them um but you don't have to be part of a faith community to, to be a good home for a child you know and so there are some rules like um smoking is not allowed um, oh really yeah um whether that be what's legal here in nevada or cigarettes right it's just not allowed some interesting people just can't agree to that right like that's just that's part of their lifestyle and they're they are not going to change that right um, i'm thinking i can't really if you have like a pool you have to do some things to that like, really um see i think that is so interesting though like it, <laughs> there's this old joke it's like I forgot where I heard it, and I hope I'm not being insensitive, but it's like, no. it's like, uh, well, adopted parents have to take exams. Well, how come 
normal right. parents can't take it. You know, right. should, should right. they take exams as well? You know, I don't. I don't mean to be insensitive, but it's just like no. somewhere I heard. Right, the sense of like we have to almost prove that we're acceptable to be a parent, right? Like that there right. are stipulations, right. and that's why the reason why is because you know, to, like I said, you're kind of an employee of the county in the right right okay i think yeah yeah and you're representing the state because the child is a ward of the state at the time and so they have to do some verification that like this is an appropriate place because also because of liability reasons right 100 percent, 100 and i i fully support that because i get that we do not need children going into you know environments that potentially lead to any concern now i will say you know there are some things that maybe are a little outdated when it comes to like is this a real marker of a safe environment i don't know i'm not going to be here to be the judge of that like church every sunday or (laughs) no no none of that okay okay (laughs) no but like smoking cigarettes like right you know i recognize that that's not a choice i make but does that something that really impacts the type of person you are? Right, you know? right. And I think the rule is that you just can't do it in the house. But like, you know, I I grew up with a grandmother that I adored that smoked like a chimney. You know, right, so, right. So it's just things like that where I'm like, oh, this is an interesting stipulation, but I'm gonna roll with it. So you have to be down to follow the rules and that and and you gotta be okay with somebody being in your business like you get these random visits and check-ins but i really support it because i believe that kids need to be safe and deserve in that and if i can't like i that people need to be evaluated on that because you know if if that gives assurance to the whole system that it's going okay or that we're doing what we need to be doing then then so be it so um and it's yeah. you know like you said it's broken to be good about everything you're telling me sounds like like a good thing like you know they they do Q, qas essentially right quality assurance quality control right and um they have regulations in place and like they the do the best is to get... it's overburdened so caseworkers right, right have maybe 30 40 children on their caseload so they have 30 40 kids in however many homes plus however many adults that need to be checking in and you know letting us know what uh, letting the staff know what their progress is on their case plan and court dates so at least every six months we're in court um and so you know there's a lot there's a lot to manage there and i can imagine that must be hard on the kid right just having to keep up with all these things yeah i mean for the most part the majority of that doesn't affect i mean it should not affect the child that that's for me me as the adult um to handle or the caseworker um but there are times i think when, when kids are older um that sometimes they're more involved in some of those things but um what i will say too about like you know this sounds like a good option when i first got licensed i remember they told they were so strict to us they made this so clear like i was afraid to even think that i would say yes to adoption at some day because they were saying this is this is if you came here to adopt you came to the wrong door oh okay because they were licensing foster parents 
who wanted to only they want to be on the fast track to adoption okay, okay and only wanted to accept a placement of maybe say a newborn right so the oh. least um the least traumatized the, the one you know whatever that might look like and so they had all of these licensed foster parents that weren't taking placement because they were waiting they were waiting for that child right this is no that you can't be in it for that right you have to go in and say i am going to be a yes to a child now right. you can set your parameters you know i think they are they make it they want to be clear that you can manage you know a child with special needs they want to know if you know what the only thing i can really handle is if they have some allergies or whatever it might be like you're okay to say those things because they do not want to have to disrupt two weeks later when something happens because you can't manage it and so um so it, it and and let's think about it right like typically kids in care come into care more than once and so it is a sense that um there's trauma and then there's new trauma right uh, we don't know all the particulars. I did not know his story when he, when he came into my life. I've unpacked some of it over time, but there's a whole lot of stuff I still don't know. And I think some people feel like, you know, like I, you know, I can't, I can't be out of control when it comes to that. Um, but I personally felt like I wanted a school age child because. I felt like I could help them academically, I could help them, you know, set some foundations for themselves that would set them up, that, you know, I, I have a cousin that has newborn twins right now, that I navigate, like, sleepless right. nights and dirty diapers, like, right, I'm really right. grateful that I was able to become a parent at an age where I felt like I could just support what I was good at, you know. And so, um, you know, yeah, there are there are a lot of things that are unknowns when you do this. And, and it is true when you have your own child or when you adopt that there's unknowns too. But to some extent too, you are to follow the rules of the state, the county, you know, they, there are stipulations. And so you have to be, if you're willing to do this, you have to accept it's not going to be, you know, always instagram worthy parenting moments you know oh, it's, there's some challenges right, right there's some big outbursts there's some there's some big heavy things that you might have to navigate with your child and that's okay it's just you have to be ready to have that and so to me like having a support system is important having people around you that accept the fact that you're doing this because there's some people that are like you know i want you to be a parent but we don't, I don't want to connect to this child if I don't know if they're going to stay or go or whatever else. you got to have people around you that just pour into this kid too, right? Um, and uh, so, but I, I wish, I hope that more younger people um, with means, right, with a home, with, with some sort of income that's stable can say, you know, let me look into this at least and let me consider it um, because... That's kind of, yeah, well, that's kind of why I made this show i mean it's called the ray millennial show i mean yeah. i'm just trying to share this millennial perspective to everyone else you know from my perspective and i think we're in the age of aquarius and mm. um and yeah I, i'm just really glad i can provide well i can do my part to provide a platform to at least help get the message out 
because mm-hmm. uh, like before this, I knew zero about foster care. So I'm I'm actually really really grateful to uh, to have had you on and to uh, talk to you. And uh, as we as we wrap this up, uh, thank you again for being here. Um, so uh, what are some resources that you can direct our listeners to? Sure. So any county that you reside in uh, will have a family services division. And so that, that family services division is who would manage the foster care, the majority of the foster care placements in your area. And so I would encourage you to look up your family services in your county. And they always start with an info session. Go to the info session. It's an hour long. They talk to you about what they what the county needs, what the stipulations are in that county, and it doesn't hurt, right? And so it get yourself informed within the limitations or the restrictions of your area and, and what's expected of you, the expectations as well, and then go from there. Uh, in, in Clark County, you can attend that info session and it still counts for a year um, for you to start the actual classes. And so you don't have to decide that day, yes, sign me up, I'm ready for classes. You can sit on it, you can think about it, you can say, is this really something I wanna do? But absolutely, I would encourage you to do that. The next thing I would say is if you say, look, I I cannot bring a child into my home, but I can support people who bring children into their home. Um, There are, through the family services, county area, they can refer you to either support groups or ways in which to help foster families. So is it that you kind of become a mentor for a child? Is it that you help bring meals to someone? Is it something along those lines? Our support group here in town always encourages people to help with like babysitting or things of that sort. And so the county family services is your first start. Um, and then, you know, just see if there if there's any desire there. Out of a class of 12 people, and it would have been eight homes when I got licensed, I was the only home that got licensed. Wow. So a lot of people dropped out. A lot of people just didn't hit it, but the, make the cut. But the thing is, is that that was a huge county resource that went into just providing one home, right? Like this. Right. And so... I do, you know, and that's okay. Like they'd much rather someone drop out through that process, but it's, and so that's the other thing. If you start it, but just can't finish it, it's okay. You learn, you try, you you attempted, you, and it is much better to do that prior to having a kid in your home. Um, But uh, I just would ask more people to take the leap to at least be informed and see if it's something that you can do. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on, uh, you know, uh, you know, open door policy. Whenever you want to come on, talk about whatever mm-hmm. you want, you know, I'm, I'll be available. You have my number. Cool. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you. And uh, with best of luck to you as you navigate your new journey. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.